Welcome to the Growing Faith Podcast with children, young people and families at the heart of all we do, sharing stories of where God's at work across home, school and church. Okay, well, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Hannah Prasad. I'm the Networks Lead at the Growing Faith Foundation, and it's my absolute pleasure to be joined today by Esther Pryor and Gareth Irvine, who are two of the brilliant team behind Growing Faith Connections. And today is going to be a tour around this brilliant piece of work and the very practical takeaways and resources that have come from it. So before we get started, let me introduce our guests. Um, Esther is married to Matt, who is also ordained, and they have two children. She's the vicar of St. John's Egham, vice chair of Church Pastoral Aid Society Patronage Trustees, and serves on General Synod as pro prosecutor. Esther came to England from Zimbabwe for theological education in 1999. And after two curacies, she served as a school chaplain, a young offenders prison chaplain, and a team vicar in Farnborough. Esther is passionate about the local church being a loving and growing community where God's people of all ages are empowered and released to follow Jesus in their everyday lives. She also has a special interest in fostering partnerships in the wider community for the common good. She loves cooking, reading, writing, body combat, travel and time with family. Morning, Esther. Good morning. It's great to join you, Hannah. Very nice to see you. And I will admit that when I when I first read um, Esther's introduction, I did think it said she enjoys time travel with her family. <laughs> I <laughs> wish. <laughs> travel and time with your family. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. And Reverend Gareth Irvine is vicar at St. Lawrence Falls Hill in Coventry Diocese. The parish has intentionally invested in strengthening the partnership with the adjacent Church of England Primary Academy, where they share a family link worker to support intentional relationships and faith development between families, church and school. Gareth recently completed the Church of England Strategic Leadership Development Programme. And as part of this, in 2022, led the Growing Faith Project team, which discovered four key connections for catalyzing a growing faith vision. Gareth is married to Jenny and has two children. Jessica is 10 and Caleb is eight. He's an area dean, a trustee of Together for Change Coventry and Warwickshire and a member of the Order of Mission. He loves baking and cakes and puddings, drinking espresso based coffee and kayaking on holidays or days off. So good morning, Gareth. Welcome to you. Good morning, Hannah. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for being with us. Do you have an espresso based coffee with you right now? I don't. I haven't had yet had one this morning. Okay. I think okay. as soon as this podcast finishes, well, uh, I'm going to go and make one. Straight on it. Well, uh, thank- I'd like to say that your wife is also ordained. She is. Jenny's also ordained. She works for the diocese, uh, heading up uh, all things around new worshipping communities and pioneering. So, um, yeah, busy life at the moment uh, in, in the vicarage. Busy life, lots of things going on. Well, thank you so much. Gareth, do you want to start start us off? And for our listeners who um, haven't heard of Growing Faith Connections, just tell us what it's all about. Yeah, so Growing Faith Connections uh, came about as a piece of work from uh, a team of uh, six or seven uh, clergy that were taking part in um, the Church of England Strategic Leadership Development Programme, of which um, Esther uh, was one of the group members. And um, uh, right back just before the Growing Faith Foundation was born about a year ago, uh, we were invited to consider doing some research uh, and, and drawing together some strands around the kind of first two years of the Growing Faith vision. So um, some of your listeners might remember that the Growing Faith was kind of piloted back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were kind of six trailblazer dioceses that had a go at thinking, how do we reimagine and reintegrate um, ministry and mission between for children and young people, between churches, schools and households? 
Uh, and so the project came about to kind of draw on some of the best practices, some of the principles, some of the learnings from those tr early trailblazers uh, that's now been kind of rolled out, uh, encouraging every diocese to get involved. So we did a bit of research, did a bit of listening, and, and we sought to draw together some principles that could have encouraged and empowered anyone in any setting that wanted to set out on this journey and also put together some resources that might help them on the way. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That background's really helpful. Um, and I know that many of our listeners have, you know, probably fed into some of those conversations along the way, and some of us will be quite new to it as well. Um, so let's dive straight into the kind of the, you know, being brilliant at kind of setting out these four main points, really, from that research, voices, relationships, rhythm and purpose. Esther, do you want to, do you want to start by talking about um, voices and relationships and then pass over to Gareth? Absolutely. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't think about allowing the voices of children and young people to be heard without thinking about Jesus' iconic words from Luke 18, 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. If that's true, then their voices are really important. In Matthew 18, 2 to 4, he, he, it says this. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So these passages have shaped my thinking around this. Uh, but I wanted to share two key events that have shaped my practice. Um, the first was, I have to admit that I had underestimated what children could bring to the table and what they could do. Uh, until I became a governor in an infant school, you know, so four to six, seven-year-olds, and watched these children bring riches to the conversation, but also... Um, their ability to lead and, uh, you know, lead in assemblies and act and drama and all of this. And I was like, oh, my goodness me, what re riches are here that we often ignore? And particularly in my last church, that led to children leading services, not just being told what to do, but leading them in their own way. Uh, and, and also children preaching. Uh, and that was really exciting. It was a way of allowing their voices in the room. And of course, because they are children, they bring home with them into, into church, you know, the, their parents' course, presence, yeah. but also uh, with the connection at the school. Um, the other was um, a child who was about nine at the time in our church. And she very suddenly, literally in a day, she went to school as a seeing child. By the end of the day, she was blind. There'd been a, um, a leak on her brain. Um, we were devastated as mm -hmm. a church community, quite a small church. And, and it was November time, Advent going to Christmas. And I think left on our own, we would have had a gloomy winter but this little girl came back to church after her operation and everything and and said to me she wanted to give a testimony wow. 
And she stood up and talked about how grateful she was that God had been with her throughout the journey and how grateful she was for her church family supporting her and loving her. I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And at our carol service, she danced. Mm -hmm. She took the time to relearn the layout of the church Mm -hmm. and she danced to Oh Holy Night. Uh, That was a child shaping our response to a tragedy. Um, You know, on our own would have been sad and and just gloom. Mm -hmm. She led us to faith and joy and holding on to God's faithfulness. So I think there's real riches in Mm -hmm. allowing the voices of children. So... Thank you for just, sorry to interrupt, just thank you for bringing, you know, real stories into those words of Jesus, because it just makes it real, doesn't it? And actually, I think the way that you've spoken about that in almost, there's there's a slowing down that we have to do, isn't there? Which you've done in your voice, but also in the way that you've, in the, we can see that in those stories as well, that kind of listening and um, being more open to, to something more than we could have imagined ourselves. It's not just about what we can imagine, but actually allowing them to show us what they can do and what they what they want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the first connection, uh, the first theme, voices. Uh, the second one is relationships. And I want to reflect on my relationship with our local head teacher here, um, which is not a church school. And I think this is really encouraging because sometimes people think that these relationships can only happen with church schools where we have permission. Um, I guess I was lucky in the sense that we started at the same time. And so I took that as an opportunity to come alongside as a fellow leader. You know, Mm -hmm. there was nothing churchy about it. It was just we're both leaders. We're starting at the same time. And so we shared the journey of what it's like to land in a new place as a leader, the things that we were seeing, the changes that we wanted to bring. And my favorite story from from this journey was um, we both had a really tricky change management thing to work on. And so we decided that when we succeeded, we would eat and celebrate with bubbly and chocolate. Ah. So, you know, we, we had conversations about this and eventually she came round to to the vicarage and we toasted each other. The success of the change project. Um, but as you can probably imagine, that de- that developing relationship has led to strong relationships beyond the head teacher and myself. Uh, you know, the well-worn path of governors, not just clergy, but a member of our congregation as well. We have parents at the school who are very intentional about inviting other parents into the church space. And that's led to something called Tea Time Together, uh, which is new. Um, but what investing in the relationship with a head teacher, because she's the one in a sense, who controls access into the school, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, it means that we are well-placed to have conversations about working together on various fronts. And our third theme, rhythms, is is something that feeds those conversations. 
So um, over to Gareth about rhythms. Yeah, I think the other thing um, that the research found and was backed up by some of our kind of early adopters and pioneers and trailblazers was um, which links with rhythms and relationships is about intentionally pursuing intergenerational relationships yeah. um, and kind of trying to think how do you get kind of grandparents, parents and children in the same room sharing questions and life and faith together. Um, so, yeah, point three was about rhythms. And I guess the, the shift, the um, the development from uh, a one off event, which is often great at getting things going and putting yourself on the map of like we're here we're, we're part of you know to serve the community but moving a, an event into a rhythm that could become a community mm-hmm. um, and so one of the things that's happened uh, in our context here in Coventry is um, the church that I'm a part of had been running Messy Church um, inspired by the wonderful Lucy uh, mm-hmm. Lucy Moore, uh, for many years and had been doing it as a, a monthly event and it was great but you know quite high energy quite high resource and um, and we were kind of beginning to say, but what about the other, you know, 29 days in the month? What what does faith and relationship and church look like uh, for families who, for the best of intentions, are probably not going to come and join our Sunday morning um, communion service? But we we just sensed there was there was a hope for something more. So we've actually in the last uh, since last autumn, we've now um, moved that from being a monthly thing to being a weekly pattern of meeting together. We still do Messy Church as an event once a month, but on the other three Sundays, we have a a lighter weight, more kind of community-led gathering of families and children, looking at stories in the Bible, looking and exploring prayer and discipleship, still with a meal, but much more the the, the parents and and the children doing it together, which I know is probably always the intention behind Messy Church, but um, what and what we found is shifting from a monthly event to a weekly rhythm has meant the commitment has gone through the roof. We've now got a really core cool community of about 50 people. Uh, it, it's in some way almost as big, if not bigger than our Sunday congregation. And these people now and we call it a connect. So it's kind of connections between messy church uh, and they do different things on a, on a different um, week of the month. But there's now this core community of people that every Tuesday in term time will come together for discipleship and community and faith and, and a meal. So that's been quite significant. I think the other rhythm that we've tried to do is use the rhythms of the church year. And um, so the last few years, we uh, when there's been uh, when it's been Lent and um, the Church of England usually puts out, a, you know, a Lent book, they've put out a. Uh, a child's or family version of of whatever the Archbishop of Canterbury's theme was for the year, mm-hmm. um, and we've we've bought those and given them to every child in the school and created a, a, an interclass competition. So the last one was about kind of justice. Um, uh, I know dust and glory. I think it was this year. So we set each class the, the challenge of seeing which class could 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 attain and um, do n- the most number of challenges in the six weeks of Lent. And we've done that for two years now. Uh, and what we noticed is the second year we did it, the, the parents knew it was coming. So it wasn't a surprise. And they were like, oh, yeah, I remember doing this last year. It's like a different theme. Um, and so they were joining in. And we were seeing those connections between what the church was trying to do through the school and what the school was then encouraging the children to do. And then the families who were coming back to connect were talking about what we'd offered. And so there was kind of this revolving conversation between mm-hmm. church, school and household using the rhythm for the year. Amazing. Oh, that's so inspiring to hear that. Thank you. And I love the 
Um, almost like the looking, where are those points? So when Esther's talking about noticing the head teacher started at the same time and you're noticing those families in between. Sometimes it's really simple, isn't it? Just noticing those points and then going with it. Thank you so much. And um, so purpose, Esther, tell us about purpose, the last of the four. Shared purpose energizes, I think. Um, and the inspiration for me is Jesus sending first the 12th, then the 72 with a shared purpose to preach the good news about the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cast out demons. Um, It released such energy among them. I mean, obviously, preaching the good news, healing the sick, casting out demons is sort of the gold standard. Um, Mm -hmm. But we can find other common purposes that can energize the connection between church, school and homes, that sweet spot, as we call it, uh, where we can see faith flourish in children. Um, We have been intentional about finding ways of of having a shared purpose with the school that links into home. And all all these connections are are linked because without a relationship, we, we wouldn't be able to to do this, especially as it's not a church school. Uh, So we started with a shared love of chocolate. (laughs) That sounds silly, but um, every start of term, every inset day, we send chocolates as a church to to the staff team at the school. Um, The shared leadership journey that I talked about, there's been a sense of shared purpose as leaders trying to lead well in our institutions and and um, noticing commonalities in our journey and that sort of thing. Uh, we now have a shared task um, where at the beginning, well, at the end of the school year, we sit together and do a year planner for the following year. Mm-hmm. Where we have decided together, the head teacher and I, that each year group comes to the church building at least once a year. Mm-hmm. and we go to the church for all the Christian festivals to do assemblies. Mm-hmm. That's come from absolutely nothing, wow. and that's that's been really exciting. Um, picking up on what um, Gareth was saying about Lent, uh, we've done something similar, um, but instead of the, the Archbishop's book, we do the Acts of Kindness. Remember those? Yeah. Um so we we do our own bespoke acts of kindness uh, and each child gets an A4 sheet to take home. And every week at assembly on a Friday, um, each class nominates a child that has, that has been most kind and they get a vicar's certificate for kindness, which mm-hmm. then goes home. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, our children at church are also doing acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And for those that go to the same primary school, there's this sweet connection between home, church and school. Um, and we found that's really fed a sense of belonging in the children, excitement. And of course, it's a drip, drip, drip of, of faith, isn't it, that we hope will flourish into mm-hmm. that old standards that will raise children and young people who are commissioned to share the good news of the kingdom, heal the sick, 
and even cast out demons, if we can say that, but setting people free, which is the sort of kingdom mandate. Mm -hmm. So shared purpose has really energized our relationships. That's really helpful. Thank you both. And and it's interesting as you're talking, you, you actually can't help talking about voices and relationships and rhythm and purpose as you're explaining each one. But it's so helpful to have those broken down so that we can kind of have a starting point, really, I suppose. Really good. Thank you so much. So, Gareth, where can our listeners find out more and what resources are available? Just just talk us through this brilliant stuff that you've made for people. Yeah. So um, we've put uh some resources together for both, I guess, influencers, decision makers, diocesan staff teams, but also practitioners on the ground. So, and it's all on a really um, simple, easy to access one page website, uh, which is called growingfaithconnections.org. And on there, you will find an overview of the four uh, key points. There's a a two page summary a longer kind of 20 page executive reports if you want to go a little bit deeper into some of the stories in the research. Uh, there's some postcards that you can download as PDFs uh, with uh, questions as discussion starters to help you, uh, whether it's in a family, household context, a school or a church, to begin to engage and develop in those four areas. Uh, and there's some videos that we made uh, in Coventry, in Egham and in Peterborough, in some of the churches uh, of members who are on the team. Um, just telling a kind of local context stories and there's we also ran a webinar unpacking this a little bit uh, in a little bit more depth back in March and um, the the recording uh, is up there uh, so you can go and um, and watch that back Um, so yeah hopefully some of those are helpful uh, and not not too onerous but kind of feed imagination it's a really beautiful website when you first click onto it it's just very pleasing generally isn't it and there's so much in there and we'll put the links um underneath this um yeah growing faith foundation are giving out these postcards left right and center so you may some of our listeners may have may have come across them already definitely have a look at that okay so um we're about to finish off do either of you have any final words for our listeners who are seeking to support the growing in faith of children and young people in their communities i would say be intentional that sounds obvious, um, but if you haven't named it as something that you want to pursue, you won't pursue it. And don't underestimate the power of chocolate to open doors. <laughs> Thank you, Esther. Yeah, um, I think we were really grateful that we were able to be part of this growing vision and, and conversation around growing faith and hope that it, in in one way, somehow catalyzes um the culture change and the culture shift that I think we all um instinctively know needs to happen, which is to put children, young people and families at the heart of all mission and ministry of the church. Um and um back to the coffee, which uh, I'm gonna go and make very soon. Uh mm-hmm. described this this package, which I think was very nice for as a good robust cup of coffee. Uh it was portable takeaway but it had depth of flavour. So uh, so there we go. (laughs) Very good. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both ever so much for coming to speak to our listeners today. Um, We'll be pointing them in the direction of the website and looking forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Growing Faith podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe now to get the latest episode. Join us next time as we hear more about Growing Faith.